Welcome to Scenes of Beauty, a platform that is here to empower you to be your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty, whatever that might be. I'm Chloe and I'm making it my mission to help you find and live your truest selves by connecting you with people that I believe live on their own terms. Each week, I sit down with guests that are all designed to show you that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes, and it means something completely different to every single one of us. Scenes of Beauty is a relatively new platform, so I wanted to ask you all a little favour. My aim is to reach as many people as possible with my weekly episodes, and the only way that I can do that is with your help. So if you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it, please hit the subscribe button, share with friends and follow me on Instagram. It really helps with growing the podcast, which in turn helps me to get bigger guests and share their stories even further. Shannon Lawler is a beauty journalist and editor that keeps it 100% real. Extremely passionate about beauty and the industry, Shannon shares her version of being a beauty insider and the real... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life of a beauty journalist. Journalists often get slammed for giving us loads of BS and telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to beauty, but also beyond that, what I love about Shannon and something that is apparent from the second we hit record on this conversation is that she is completely herself. She's unfiltered, honest, funny, and genuinely here to help people with their beauty, their products, and their regimes. We touch on every topic from her unmasked version of the behind the scenes of magazine life and press trips to products and shutting down some of the trends that we see on social media. Shannon has a really interesting lens on the magazine and journalist landscape, something that she goes into depth about during this episode. As well as all of the beauty chat, we touch on her personal life and dive deeper into elements of her personality, unveiling things like confidence and lack of self-esteem, which was really interesting to hear and talk about and something that I think a lot of you guys as listeners will really relate to. Here's her version of beauty. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Thanks for having me. I don't know why, but we've gone all giggly. We're like, (laughs) we're sat on the world's smallest sofa. It's so small. I have no shoes on and we're very... 
very cosy. Yeah, got the little. <laughs> like I'm ready to go to sleep. I feel like we just need PJs, <laughs> and we're good. Um, how are you? Good. Tired. Yeah. I just said, didn't I? I had my Christmas yeah. party last night, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling alive. And we're uh, we're not allowed food and drink in the studio, so <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna have to break at some point. We'll be fine. <laughs> I just shoved um... a sheave, a cheese, <laughs> a sheave, a cheese twist in my mouth before I came in. <laughs> I've got about a bite left, so I've got to look forward to after this. Um, so where do we start? Do you want to give an intro to who you are? Because I know a bit about you. Because I stalk you a little bit, so. <laughs> you, you, I like that. You, I've got a fan. <laughs> One, hey, <laughs> it's me. Um, yeah, do you want to give an intro into yes. who you are, your background? Sure, so I'm Shannon. I am... A beauty editor so I'm basically a journalist mm-hmm. um and I feel like this is actually a bit of a weird thing like in recent in recent years it's become this thing where like beauty editor obviously is a job title to people that are in beauty and know what a beauty editor is yeah but I feel like TikTok and Instagram has made like beauty editor like really cemented it as a job yeah which is really weird so I can meet people now and they'll say like what do you do Whereas before I'd have to say, oh, I'm a journalist or like, yeah. oh, I work in magazines or I feel like beauty editor was like a very American, like Devil Wears Prada term, yeah. wasn't and it? And now like... I can meet someone and be like, oh, I'm a beauty editor. And they're like, oh my God, amazing. And I yeah. don't have to explain it. Yeah. But it feels a bit weird to say it. Yeah. Especially because in the UK, there's so few of us. Yeah. There I also feel like. do this job. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those jobs that was untouchable like yeah. it's one of them like you tell your mum you wanted to be a beauty editor and she'd be like <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe next time like let's try maybe in another life you know exactly that um and it's weird because it's yeah I feel like it was we can probably go on to this in a bit but it used to be this industry that was like so untouchable like you mm-hmm. say and it was really built on nepotism like beauty editors beauty directors were people who's you know they had an uncle that was yeah political editor at the telegraph and then got them in. like it's not like that anymore mm-hmm. um but yeah i think also with social media the actual with like the rise of social media the actual job of being a beauty editor is a bit of like a dying breed yeah um because so many of us now go into social and everything else so Yes, that was a very rambly way of me saying I am a beauty editor and that is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not a rambly way at all. I think it's interesting because because like we said, it is one of them jobs that did used to be deemed as untouchable. And I guess, I mean, let's face it, if you're not in a big city, if you're not in London, if you're not, even Manchester doesn't have like the big guys there. It's more the yeah. fast fashion brands. But if you're not in that vicinity, they are quite head office roles on on um what's the word like they're few and far between yeah they're not they're not available to you mm-hmm. so i guess for a lot of people who live out of town or live out of the city it is it's interesting to get a bit of the bts you know yeah yeah it's also one of those jobs that has it's like an industry really like it's one of those things that has the the reason for its success is because people are fascinated by our jobs yeah because we don't have and like our jobs are so abnormal like when I meet people and just because my work is 95% of my being mm. and I hate to admit that but it, it is like yeah. I live and breathe my job and I don't yeah that so like when I meet people like 
my job is so ingrained in my life that that's just naturally not all I talk about, but there will be things I say and people's ears will pick up and be like, what, what do you mean you (laughs) stayed, you just went on like an overnight stay at like this ridiculously fancy hotel in London that no one, unless you're like a prince or a princess could afford to stay at. Yeah. And they're like, why did you stay there with work? I'm like, oh, because I just, brands just take us there. Yeah. Like what? It's like a weird life, and it's so weird. But people are fascinated by that. Yeah. Um, and social media has played it. Like, obviously, made that a massive thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I I guess we get we get a look in now, don't we? Whereas we didn't, we never did before. You were always over there. Yeah. Which is interesting. And it's kind of like I think because influencers have made that so normal for people to see on social media now people were used to influencers being gifted stuff and etc etc this has been going on in the beauty industry as for beauty editors for decades like so long I think even because I used I started my career in beauty as an events manager so I managed all of the events for Lauder and for L'Oreal yeah and that was really cool and I used to travel all over I've been all over the world with them and I used to stay at like the JW Marriott Venice which is on a private island in the middle of Venice and like have all these like go on these all these luxury trips and everyone was like do you work or do you yeah holiday and I'm like bloody hard work when you get there but <laughs> like it's it's I think it is maybe just a cult on its own oh it is and like the money in the industry is extreme and this really came to light over covid um more so than ever especially with like um the campaigns that took place to get beauty salons back open and it was kind of all over the place of people being like it was all over the press of people being like this is how much the beauty industry is worth and this is why we should take it seriously and then when you work in the beauty industry and you see the like it's the amount of money in beauty is truly grotesque like Mm -hmm. these brands have so much money but I think the difference is actually yes they have a lot of money and yes beauty brands have a huge amount there's no doubt that the fact that the things that the cost of advertising the amount of money that brands spend on pr is obscene because frankly they don't have anything else to do with it like they're looking for ways to spend their money yeah but the difference and i actually think that that is the case across a huge amount of industries i think Mm -hmm. most industries like we're talking about this in terms of like beauty and fashion obviously as well yeah but then it's like think about the amount of money that we're seeing and our industry is quite fun like my industry is fun like I go out and we do all of this fun stuff and then I think about like other industries like tech finance everything else I'm like they've got huge amounts more money yeah yeah Yeah. but because it's not on social media and because those brands keep how they spend their money like out of the limelight people find art the beauty industry more shallow and they're kind of like you know you just trot around and have loads of fun which we do like that is not a concept that is wasted (laughs) on me like I (laughs) I really know that like I'm not I'm not one of those beauty editors and they do exist and it's not just beauty editors it's all editors all journalists yeah they do this and they're like I have a really hard job it's like we don't like yes we do we get so stressed we work really long hours, but we don't have a hard job. We're talented, which is why our job is fun yeah. for us. Like, obviously, yeah. if you if writing doesn't come naturally to you, you are probably going to struggle in this job. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, when I, like we all have this. <laughs> we all step back. 
Like if ever I'm working in an office or, you know, I'm chatting to other editors or whatever and we're all stressed, we literally have to take a step back and we're like, guys, we're not saving lives. <laughs> this is not, it's like that old saying, like all of my friends that work in PR, their saying is, it's PR, not ER. Mm, yeah. And it makes me laugh so much. I'm like, that is, <laughs> sometimes I have to take a step back. I'm like getting really stressed, flustered. I'm getting angry yeah. at people and I'm snapping. And I'm like, I am angry about a lipstick. <laughs> How dumb. I do the same thing. And, and it was the same when we worked in events. Because I think beauty has such a level of perfectionism that's required. Mm-hmm. The standards are high. Like I've moved into fashion, like sports fashion. Really random move. But it's just happened. But everyone keeps saying, will you relax about, like, why is your level so high? Like, yeah. it's a deck that we're presenting to someone sidestep, like, a, a side level, whatever. It's not that deep. And I'm like, but your, your formulas are all wrong. And, like, yeah. your your <laughs> colours are off. And, like, where's your panty? And it, get, it freaks me out. But yeah. they're like, why is your level so high? And I'm like, I've come from beauty. You've got to be good. You've got to be the best. Otherwise, you're out. Yeah. Like, up your game. And there is a it's, lot of that. I think I do think that really in this industry probably yeah I'd say in the whole industry it's across like the whole beauty industry as a whole if you don't have if you're not talented at something or you don't have a craft that you're really good at um you can't hide it and that's something you used to be able to do it used to be that beauty journalism was print magazines and that's what you did that's how I started like don't get me wrong I absolutely love it I still adore that industry do I read magazines anymore no um but I absolutely loved it and it will always have a special place in my heart and working in a print magazine is just the most exciting thing that you can do it's so glamorous just so fun um but it used to be that you can hide you could it that's not true i'm not saying that people did this but it's just a lot easier to hide a lack of talent yeah when you're working in really big teams and you know you've got 10 sub editors there that are going to make your work read really well yeah. it just takes one person on a team to have this raw talent and then make it really successful it was a lot easier when the teams were bigger mm-hmm. but obviously with the shift into digital and social media becoming so prevalent and journalism I don't like to say that journalism is dying. I don't think it is at all. Yeah. It's taking on new forms. Yeah. And my job is to be reactive to that and to learn new skills, take up new crafts and not try and do anything that already exists. It's like beauty editors. We're not trying to be influencers. Yeah. It's using what we have and using the tools that influencers use and then making something else out of it. Yeah. But now because... Again, I'm doing air mark. I'm doing quote <laughs> marks here with my fingers, but it's like because journalism is dying and it, the teams are getting so small. So many cuts are being made. You know, so many magazines have now gone on to online only. You yeah. can work on skeleton teams. Have it not having a talent and not having a natural knack for something. Mm-hmm. There's no hiding behind anything because you're a one man team. Yeah, you've got no one checking your work. You've got no one doing anything for you, and that's something I think that's really changing the industry yeah it's really 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 changing the industry and that's why we have so many freelancers now I guess it's making in terms of PR and and journalism and and articles and stuff I guess it's making it more real more expert-led yeah it's way more expert-led and we can get into the ins and outs of why it's more expert-led um 
there's a huge amount of reasons as to why beauty journalism is becoming more expert-led. One, I think it's because people are fed up of being told what brands want to tell them. It's kind of, we go back to this beauty standard thing. For years, beauty journalism has been that. And it has, you know, it hasn't been taken seriously as as a section of journalism because for years it's been regurgitating what brands tell us their products do without yeah. really any thought into yeah. it like yeah of course we all like look at the odd um study or whatever and that's like the way that it was now people are fed up and i think it goes back to the influencer industry as well people get fed up with influencers people realize that influencers kind of shone a light on the way that the industry works yeah. um in the good way in so many ways but also in a way that's like not good for the influencers yeah which is that it shone a light on how i don't want to use the word like corrupt but kind of is i suppose that you can sell someone something so convincingly and i've never tried it and as soon as influencers started doing that which of course and i'm not I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing. Beauty editors do it now. Yeah. Journalists do it. They've been, everyone's been doing it for decades. Yeah. But because that's now had a light shone on it and people can see like, hang on, you're only featuring that because they just took you on a week holiday somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that happened, people were kind of like, oh, this job's got changed. Like we can't, yeah. and it's, it's dumb. Like that, the way, the fact that so much money was made off that, business model for so long is so dumb well it was the same in advertising wasn't it i remember like when i first like in my first marketing role it was when the shift came of you all these tests on your product have to be passed before you can start claiming things and um you know the asterisks in the in the corner of no lash inserts have been done but in america you can still do all sorts on a tv ad here not so much but it was like panic stations because it was like oh my god how are we going to make this mascara look yeah. like it's doing something when we've been putting lashing tits yeah. in for so long you know and that's why things have become more expert-led in this field is because well, it was not it's one of the reasons why um it's because people are like anyone can do your job yeah. anyone can do that and yeah. suddenly the result isn't the same the whole point of this job is to one provide insight and information mm. and if people don't believe you you're not doing that yeah two it's to provide a form of entertainment and if people are reading your work and getting can i swear on her yeah if i'm reading your work and people are getting like really fucked off at the way that it's coming across you're not providing them entertainment and three i think a lot of people forget this every job the goal of it is to make either yourself or your business money yeah and if you're not selling product for the companies that you're working for, yeah. the um, like the the beauty brands that you're working with, if you're not selling products for them, they don't want to advertise in your magazine. And if they yeah. don't want to advertise in your magazine, your magazine's not making any money, and then your magazine goes bust. Yeah. And that's essentially what happened. Yeah. The beauty industry got very complacent with the way that things were going, and everyone had a lot of fun, and no one kind of like looked around and was like, oh, people aren't buying what we're selling anymore. <laughs> like factually like literally and also metaphorically yeah yeah, yeah. no one's buying it anymore yeah whereas now it's kind of like you know things are becoming more expert-led we're taking it's like everyone's got a personality and that's the way it should be like the way that i see my job is like 
I've got a huge amount of all beauty editors. We've all got a huge amount of knowledge on beauty. Like it's obscene. Like we absorb it all day, every day from the best yeah. experts in the world, which is like such an amazing thing. We read up on everything that we do and we spend our time doing that. So we should be the girls in the bathroom that are like, oh, yeah. I love talking about what lipstick you're you're buying yeah. and recommending things to people because also, like you say, people are buying people are being sold lies all the time. Yeah. And that's not right. We shouldn't be sold lies. So no. you should have that space, which is what I think beauty editors do, to be like you don't need to buy that. Yeah. Like, if you want to address yeah. this, then buy this. And yeah. there isn't a huge amount of... Not everyone's got a huge amount of disposable income right now. Yeah. We should be telling people, educating people on what they should be buying without a bias. And yeah. I'm hoping that that's the way things are going at the moment. I definitely I see a shift. <laughs> I, think it, I think it is, though, because I definitely see a shift in... People crave, you know, I work in marketing, you work in journalism, PR, um, and... People are craving realism and like, actually one of the, we were talking about it earlier, but one of the reasons I actually wanted you to come on the podcast is because mm. you're a journalist, but also you're quite unmasked and like just yeah. you, which I think is nice because so many of the time we see people who are in the industry or people who are of senior positions mm. or whether it's in brand or whatever, and they put this Devil Wears Prada coat on and they yeah. rock up in their red lip and the perfect hair and it's all like 20 years ago. Like, come on, we're it's real so humans funny, and you're, it? you know, you're quite unapologetically you and you, we were talking, yeah, we were talking before about like, you put goofy stories on and you take yeah. the piss out of yourself a little bit on social and it's so nice to see because. It's human yeah. and we're getting to know you as a beauty editor, you know, not as a, as just a beauty editor, if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, for sure. I think also a big thing is that, I think because I've been freelance for so long, I came into this industry, um, I really entered beauty as, not as a freelancer, I started off as like an assistant on a team, so I knew what I was doing. I'd been doing that for like a couple of years um, and then I moved over to a retailer. Uh, so I was beauty editor at House of Fraser for nearly a year, I want to say, maybe. Um, and then I went freelance. And I'd taken a big chunk of time out going into retail. Um, because that's out of the industry as far as anyone's concerned. It's the same jobs. Work slightly different, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is such a small, insular group of people Um that work across the brand side and then obviously the beauty editor side as well. Yeah. If you take time out of that or if people don't know you, it is tough. Like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is so tough. And I think I came into this idolising those people. Yeah. And I still do. Yeah. And they are people that have been like that in the past. Some of them aren't working anymore um, in the space. Obviously, they're still working. But I mean, they're not working as journalists anymore. But, like, I still idolise those people. Like... Yeah. And I think that's I'm perfectly happy to say that, and I think that they should they should be idolized by yeah. young like aspiring journalists because they did so much um but it was when I got to those events and you have this idea of like what people are gonna be like, and it's not like that, and I kind of get it now. I'm like we spend all day every day with each other, like honestly, we do we're at events non stop we're working in between, of course, but yeah. We're at events non-stop. We spend so much time with each other and it just becomes this thing and you kind of form these 
yeah. these friendships. And I don't want to go to a dinner and have a conversation with, sit there for three hours and have a conversation with someone that I don't know or I don't have anything in common with. If I've got a group of friends there that I know, I do want to talk to them. So I get why it was like that. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. There was this polished element to it. And it's almost the status thing, is it? Not even of power of I'm in the beauty industry. I noticed it yeah. when I when I joined beauty, which was coming up to ten years ago. Yeah. It was a lot having said that I've worked for huge brands and I've worked for independent brands. Yeah. So independent brands are obviously quite different to the big brands, but a lot when I joined, there was a lot of I think it was a status driven we're in the beauty industry, I'm yeah. in the beauty industry. And it was I guess it's it's a bit like what you said. It's maybe it's a small town mentality of coming out of somewhere, not even thinking that it's possible to work at L'Oreal, yeah. to work at Lauder, to work at wherever. You get in and you're like, Oh my god, this is this is yeah. me and you become a bit of a dick. Yeah. I don't also, I think saying that it makes me think actually it probably goes back to what i was saying earlier about the fact that because our jobs are so passion driven yeah and they become us our job becomes our identity yeah um and it's hard it's very hard to separate yourself from your job quite often i have like a full meltdown probably every few months i have a full meltdown <laughs> i kind of look at i i sit i it happened to me a few months ago I literally sat in bed. I looked at my fiance and I was like, what am I? Like, other than a beauty <laughs> editor, what am I? Like, it's all I do and it's all I consume because it makes you good at your job. But also, yeah. I don't want to do, I don't, like, my fiance said to me, he was like, you don't need to do that. And he was like, you know, you're so successful. And I was like, but maybe I'm successful because I do that, because I absorb so much information. Yeah. And I think it is very easy. I catch my, I'm, I'm not, like, yeah, I love, I am very much like myself and I've got, I've never had my nails painted. They're <laughs> literally like broken down. I, I don't usually wear like a huge amount of makeup. My legs have literally got like an inch of hair <laughs> on them. Um, but I think even I, and I'm not saying that in a way that sounds so knobby. Now, even I'm like this, but it's not like I catch, I have diva moments because yeah. also we're babied. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, we get, we get, treated oh my god it's so it's so silly when I think about it but like well I'll go on a trip on like a press trip and if if for those that don't know because I think actually what I'm speaking what I'm talking about here is probably just like Greek to a lot of people yeah but like if I go on a press trip and a press trip is basically brands say uh I'm just gonna use an example say like Mac is launching something um they'll have like a budget and they'll take either sometimes together and that's a, an interesting topic as well but some they'll take <laughs> either really influencers <laughs> or press um to press being journalists to on a trip like away somewhere and like you you can i don't know oh you like really immerse yourself in the brand and you... you really immerse yourself in the brand but no you get sport <laughs> rotten you have massages they sometimes they're abroad you get to spend a few days in the sun but it is they're quite intense like yeah. they're back-to-back schedules but like like I said you stay in like the best hotels you you live this life but also you're treated like a child because I turn up to an airport I have I think I've been on this year I think I worked out including like personal trips I think I went abroad 
13 times this year. Yeah, and there was a stage before the summer started, like spring, late spring, early summer, where I turned up to an airport because I wake <laughs> up, my alarm goes off, 3 a.m., cool, car is waiting for me outside, cool, got my suitcase, which I probably packed like the night before. But again, I'm very open about that on my Instagram, how stressed <laughs> I get with my packing. Um, car's there, get in it. I'm like, okay, cool. Where am I going? Yeah. Get to the airport. Oh, okay, I'm at Heathrow. Where am I going? What trip <laughs> am I on this week? And I actually had that this year. And I got to the airport. I was like, I forgot where I'm going. Because I'm so tired, delirious. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't remember where I'm going. And I got <laughs> to the airport and I saw the PR there. I was like, yes, okay, that's where I'm going. And I'm going to go and do this. And then the PR's got my boarding pass. I got on a press trip this year, um, which luckily was in the UK. We flew there because it was a very long way. Um, but I got to the airport and didn't have, I didn't have my passport on me. <laughs> and I was like, do I need my passport to fly there? Everyone's like, you need ID. I was like, I don't think I've got it. Because PRs do everything for you. Yeah. These brands do everything for you. Well, I've been on the other side of that. So yeah, I was an event manager. And honestly, I would literally been on the receiving end so when you're saying it i'm like oh it's bringing back so memories easy. i um yeah i was once away and a woman was i was in a i think i was in spain barcelona or somewhere yeah. and one of our like the girls from the brand she was um we used to take employees off the brand away so brand yeah. advisors oh, head nice. office staff yeah and um, and she once called me and she was like so i'm on um i'm on the platform at um getting on to go to the gatwick express yeah and I was like, right. She was like, I've not got my ticket. And I was like, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And she was like, well, I mean, you know, I'm stood on the platform and it's leaving in five minutes and I've not got my ticket. Yeah. And I was like, I'm in Barcelona and it's like 5am. Like, <laughs> you're a fully grown woman. Like, yeah, what the fuck out. do you want me to do? Literally, It is funny, but it's when you spoon feed, when you're spoon fed everything, you kind of just forget what's going on. Oh my on. God, I turn into a child. <laughs> I get home from a press trip. And I'm literally just like sat, my bag's still packed. And I'm like, I've got to go to work. And I'm like, where's my car? <laughs> I'm not being chauffeured around places. It's this weird life. It's like the life that celebs lead, but then you literally get like thrown back to the ground and being like, oh, I've got an awakening. I'm just a really normal person that doesn't deserve special treatment. And you have to like get your head around that. So yeah. Being, I think it's so easy to slot into the diva aspect of it. No, I it do is. it all the time. I do it all the time and I catch myself. Sometimes I don't catch myself. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a dick. I think it's, I think it's okay if you know. Like I can be Sometimes the same. I do. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just a dick. I had this the other day. What was I doing? I think it was a dinner. I think it was a dinner and the car... That the brand has paid for. I live like maybe an hour, like hour car journey outside of central London. Like I'm in London, but if you're not, if you don't live in London, just know that the traffic is very bad. It <laughs> takes like an hour to get there. So like this is a, isn't, it's a private chauffeur company. Like we're, we're not getting sent Ubers. Like we're getting like private chauffeur companies, like the kind of cars that are literally like, oh, would you like your heating, heated seat at this matter? <laughs> Which is weird. Um, and the car, the traffic was really bad and I was late for the dinner and I knew I was late and I'm like, I don't care if I'm late. The brand's going to care if I'm late. 
So anyway, I was just like, okay, I'll text the PR to let her know I'm in traffic and it's running late. And then she called me and she was like, you're late. I was like, yeah, I'm late because the car you booked me was late. Like, not my problem. <laughs> and I actually, this, this was the words that came out of my mouth. I'm like, yeah, well, the car that you that booked me was late. And she's like, okay, well, how quickly do you think you're going to get here? And I was like, this isn't my, I, I said, like, there's a part of me that <laughs> still believes this. Problem? There's still a part of me that believes this. This is why I'm feeling so passionate about it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> which is really <laughs> fucked up because I laugh about it now. I told the story the other day and I came across really well. Now I'm telling it. I'm like, this isn't coming across well. I think I still, I think I still bite myself. Um, basically, I so, so I just said to her, I was like, you know, like the car's late. It's not my problem. And then she called me again and I was in the car and I was like, I actually picked up the phone and I was like, stop calling me. Like I'm stressed. <laughs> And then I got to the dinner and obviously because I was so late, they'd moved me to the end of the table, which is fine. Also, this is another like really weird thing. Like there's this hierarchy of like where everyone sits. Like people of note get sat next. Uh, uh, this is I'm talking about like at a brand dinner. Mm-hmm. People of note get sat next to like the brand founder. Yeah. Or like, oh, the head of advertising. Because obviously they're going to do a little deal over the table or whatever, which never happens. But it might. <laughs> um, Relationship and- building. Yeah, relationship building, exactly. <laughs> and like my seat had got moved to the end of the table. And I was, <laughs> no joke, it was like they'd parted two chairs and I was just on the end, like, on the point of the table. I'd like the point of the table, like dang into my stomach. And they'd like laid up this cutlery and I was so squashed. And I was just like, luckily I was sat next to some really nice people and I, I had a nice time. But when I got there, the first 15 minutes, I was literally sat there like, I'm going to make a real point of the fact that I'm not happy about this. <laughs> and then like, I got home, I said to my fiance, I was like, Oh, I'm an arsehole. And he was like, <laughs> my my boyfriend works in communications and PR. So he is on the other side of it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I would hate you. I was like, I hate me. But also clearly, this is how ingrained it is in me, is I still think that I've been hard done by in this situation <laughs> because I got a chauffeur car sent to a really nice hotel in London to go to a private dinner that I'd never be afford- be able to afford to go to. And I'm making demands. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think the line when the lines crossed, I think is when you start being a dick to people, like when you start being not nice to people and yeah. making people feel like shit. I yeah. think if you're a diva in situations, yeah. I think it's fine. Thanks. <laughs> I, I have you back. I'm totally I think sometimes it's necessary also. Yeah. Um but yeah. yeah. Why beauty? Why beauty? Mm. Um, I started in fashion. Yeah. Because I wanted to be Anna Winter. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I was like, I, something, about, something about being a cold, hard bitch diva really appealed to me. <laughs> that was it. I, Coming out at I, the I, dinner. That's it. And maybe that's Anna why I do it. a bit of role play. I'm like, this is the job I wanted. <laughs> this is the person I wanted to be. Um I genuinely thought that that's the life I was destined for. And I think you've got to have a real ego to think that. Um, obviously, I was born with an ego. I literally remember being like seven years old and being like, I want to be, that's what I want to do. I want to work in magazines and have this really glamorous life. Um, Did you experience that? Um, like, were your parents like, yeah, cool. That's not going to happen. Very much. A few, I was a kid with really big goals. And I, I remember like money, like, wasn't anything that I ever considered mm. which is weird because I wasn't brought up with with money like I didn't we weren't we didn't struggle but like 
I went to a grammar school and I was one of the kids at the school that had gone to a state school as a primary school. And that's not really something you get a lot of grammar school. Most of the kids are like groomed for grammar school via their private schools or whatever. So, yeah. But because I went to a grammar school, an all-girls grammar school, there was a lot of different backgrounds. So I socialised with people outside of my usual, like what would de- be deemed my social sphere. So I had some really, really fuck off wealthy friends. And then yeah. I had some friends that were like me that were just kind of like, well, we, we get by or whatever. Yeah. But I remember like being at school and people being like getting their, I don't know, they'd like go out shopping with their mum and they'd be like, my mum's just bought me like all this stuff from Topshop. To me, Topshop was like, I couldn't afford Top. My mum was, if I took my mum into Topshop, she'd be like, I'm not spending money on that. It was like 30 pounds <laughs> for a pair of jeans. My mum was like, no way. And like, we'd, that was just not something that I did, but I grew up around it. So I kind of always had this thing in my head where I was like, oh, money isn't really like that important. Yeah. And you I, still like that? No. I've had a real, real rude awakening to that concept. <laughs> um, no, and I thought... I think when I was a kid, I thought that anything was possible. It was kind of like that American dream. And I think a lot of people of our generation were brought up that way. Yeah. I think because we were also brought up in American culture, like our t- everything we watched on TV was American, mm-hmm. which isn't so much the case anymore, really. Like, I think with Netflix and stuff, we there's a lot more and everything's just a lot more real now but like we watched the oc we watched friends with these people didn't work and they literally sat in their apartment for (laughs) like what did they do with their lives i don't know but i'm like my concept as a kid was like i can work if i work hard enough i can make money and i can be rich and that was the end goal yeah um and then i got into the industry um in a roundabout way and ended up working for a supplement to a tabloid newspaper, Mm -hmm. which is still going now. And I love it. I absolutely love the team. Like such, it was just such an amazing place to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized very quickly that like the industry isn't that. Yeah. And there, a lot of the industry is built on nepotism and these people haven't, don't, that's not, I would say these people, so many people are, aren't there because of nepotism they worked really hard and they deserve it and they're at places where they are but i kind of looked around and was like oh like it's Mm. not a case of working really hard and making loads of money the reason that this job is glamorous is because actually these people were born with money and they do it as a hobby yeah they don't need the money they do it as a hobby because that's just how they got into the job and that's a lot of the way that it was and i found the fashion industry very very hierarchical and very toxic yeah um and the beauty industry is the same but slightly different um and it's a bit more human a bit more shallow but a bit more human the fashion industry you know exactly what you're getting um you walk in is the fashion industry in that do you mean like a bit more cutthroat a bit more direct it's not maybe so much cutthroat it's definitely more direct yeah um and there's more lack of concern for other people's feelings mm-hmm. i think when you work with people um and brands as well it's kind yeah. of like how dare you do that like yeah. you're not allowed to do that which is nice in some respects like yeah. some part of me kind of wishes the beauty industry was a bit more like that mm. um but because i work for a tabloid um i kind of my first job out of uni was this i thought oh i thought oh 
newspapers and magazines around that way. If someone didn't like something, they'd throw it at you and say, fuck off, do it again. Like that's, yeah. it's direct and it was, it's... And that happened to you when you were at the... Yeah, but that, that suits me. Well, it's interesting you say that because my first job was a, a work for a, my first, yeah, my first proper job um, was a small creative agency and our MD was savage. I yeah. used to go home four times a week crying like yeah. it was savage. I look back now, it's the best thing that ever yeah. happened to me. Yeah. I'm so thick skinned, yeah. like I can handle anything. And also I think working, because I worked on the ma- the women's magazine. Um, we were a team of women. There were a few men, but we were a team of women. Yeah. In this, in this empire, it's a global media empire run by men. Yeah. Middle-aged white men. Yeah. Um, and we loved each other. We had yeah. such a good dynamic. We loved each other so much. And we had relationships with one another where we could say that. And we had to be thick-skinned because we had to answer to men who were telling us what we, what was what our female reader who we knew so well wanted um so it's interesting that that's the way it happened because I never you know I never had that situation where I went home crying Mm -hmm. because someone spoke to me badly Mm -hmm. I did when I was on fashion um but that was more the fashion industry not being suited to me more than it was the magazine or anyone that worked at the magazine um Whereas when I moved over to beauty, because also I didn't know beauty was a job. I didn't know that, which is dumb, because obviously there's beauty, there's beauty pages in magazines. Um, But that never clicked with me, that that was someone's job, that just to sit and try beauty. And I remember sitting there at my desk on the fashion team and looking at the beauty editor who I got on very well with and being like, imagine receiving all of those beauty products. I'm so excited by it. I'm like, imagine receiving all of those beauty products and just not caring enough to like open them. I like if I received something, I'd be yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Like rip into it no, straight away and right see what's now, in yeah, there. But it's I like would. you get so much as a beauty editor, you're just kind of like, oh, I'll open it later. Yeah. And I remember looking at her and being like, "I would never, ever let my job get to that stage." I'd be so grateful for every parcel that comes my way, and I am. But like, oh, it's a lot. And I now, yeah, all these years later, I'm like, I have post that gets built up, and I don't tear into it straight away. There are some boxes I get very excited <laughs> for, and I tear straight into them. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I guess it's just time and that's how that happens. Um, but yeah, I think working in that tabloid environment and leaving that tabloid environment and going into other workplaces and being like, people say to me, they're like, God, you're really direct. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because I, my biggest thing that I hate is going into a workplace and seeing people like whispering. God, we're oh, so it. similar. It's literally, it's like it. my words are coming out of your mouth. This and is I'm, so strange. I am, I am such a paranoid person. Yeah. And I think the worst of everything. Like, I have such low self-esteem. I really painted a fabulous picture of myself <laughs> on as a beauty editor. Um, no, I have such low self-esteem that if I go into a workplace and someone's saying anything, even if it, they, I don't know them, even if they've never met me and I see them whispering, I'm like, they're whispering about me. And I'm like, I cannot be in an environment like that. I just don't think it's cool. And I, I've i witnessed it a lot. Just in jobs and in, in general. But when I, I moved to London five years ago and I made a point of, I'm not going to have friends who are shitty. I'm not yeah. going to have friends who make me feel like crap. And if, if I'm in a work environment, I used to be quite fire and I used to be like, 
why are you all talking about each other? Da, da, da. And I used yeah. to just say it. And now I'm like, you do you, you yeah. get on. I'm going to do me and I'm not getting involved in your yeah. shit. And if you're talking about me, it says way more about you than it does about me. Oh, so true. I wish that I... It's taken me a long time. I wish that I believed what I tell myself I should believe. Yeah. Because I agree with that. I like fully agree with it. But like when it, when push comes to shove, yeah. I'm still really hard on myself. I think in my career... Um, over the past year or so, probably two years, I've really acknowledged my strengths. I know my weaknesses as well, but I know my strengths yeah. and I know when I walk into a job that I have de- that I deem as much as they deem for me to be a perfect fit for, then I know that I'm the best person for that job. And I know that there is no other beauty editor in the country that can do what I'm going to do with that job. And that is freeing. Yeah. That's a freeing feeling. Um, but when it comes to my personal life, when it comes to friends and something like that happens, I'm literally like, I'm a failure. Oh, no. I'm like, I'm the worst person ever. Because I think so highly of what other people think of me. Yeah. Um, and Have you always been tough. like that? Yeah. Always. Always, always, always. Yeah. Um, but... I think that's something, and I think a, a bit of therapy taught me this, that's something that I is really detrimental to me in so many ways. But actually, I don't want to get rid of that part of me because that part of me is what drives me to do better yeah. and to be better. I'm incredibly hard on myself and it's not productive and I know that. But the things that I hang success on in life, to me personally, is dependent on me constantly striving to be a better person yeah what do you hang success on I hang success on now if you'd have asked me that question three years ago it would have been very very different I hang success on having an easy life Mm-hmm. To me, an easy life. I've adopted this. I saw one of those really lame Instagram memes. You know, like you know, you've got that like one person that you follow that like posts like a motivational like, <laughs> thing on their page every day. Um, I love them. I'm obsessed with them. I'm like literally every single time I go onto Instagram in the morning, I'm like, okay, what's my motivational <laughs> quote of the day? I saw one a few weeks ago, and it was like something about like the importance of moving with peace, and I was like, that's me. <laughs> And like this came to me, I was like, this has been served to me by angels above. Because it was like just before Black Friday. And Black Friday for a journalist is like not an okay time. It's incredibly hard work. Yeah, okay. Um, and I like literally like walked into the office on the first day. I was like, everyone, I'm moving with peace today. And like, <laughs> like okay, Shannon, like good one. And I'm like tied to my, lap- my laptop for like 16 hours. And like there's all these stresses being flowed at me. And I'm like, don't test me because I'm moving with peace. Um, but that is genuinely something that I found really important is like, I think success is getting to a point in life where you can live an easy life. You can make the money that you want to make without being stressed by it. Um, and you can live your life in a way that is at peace with yourself mm-hmm. because that to me is the ultimate success. Yeah. I think that's what everyone strives for because you can be the richest person in the world. And if you're not moving with peace every day, if you're, stress the fuck out and you're not seeing your kids you're not seeing your family you're not doing enjoying all of the good things that life has to offer yeah. that's not success yeah the the thing we're all striving for is an easy life mm-hmm. so to me success is having an easy life and that's why i think over the past five years since being freelance i've really been able to like 
work some things out for myself. And that's why earlier, like last year, this year, what year is it? 2022. <laughs> it's been a test for me. Yeah. Um, because for me, being freelance has always been a way to have a bit of peace in my life. Yeah. And this year I was so far away from having any peace in my life that it was like, this isn't working for me anymore. Yeah. And being freelance is also a part of my identity. That's something that yeah. I've like really hung a lot of like importance on. And this year I was like, oh shit, maybe I need some structure because I haven't had structure for five years and now yeah. that I'm flying out of control and I don't know what's going on. Um, Do you mean in a personal aspect or in a... Both. Okay. I'd say both um, because being freelance in the way that I am and was is I'm all, I'm not someone that is motivated to work. <laughs> this is, I just love your honesty. I love it. I don't want to work. I don't want to work. You kind of say what everyone else is thinking, but a lot of people are scared <laughs> to say it's very true though this is what i was meaning earlier about the instagram stories you just put the goofiest realest shit on there and i'm like yes i resonate with it all but like you know there's some people in life that like get up and they're like nine to five and they work the hardest nine to five i don't want to yeah i don't want to no, I hear people you. say to me all the time like when i actually say that to other beauty editors because like a, a lot of my friends that are beauty editors are very driven yeah. and like they love work and people are like I don't know if I'd be able to just do that without, like, I don't think I'd be able to live my life without work. I'm like, I would. I'd love it. I would love, I'd have a little bit of something. Yeah. But. But you obviously work very hard. Like, you're I in do. a, you're in a, a position, uh, uh, you're in a place in your career where a lot of young girls, like, would dream to yeah. be. And, and even probably you looking back, like, without putting words in your mouth, like, the 15 year old you will probably be screaming at your life oh, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, You'd yeah, be yeah. Like, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, she would. And I think the thing is, is that I've, the thing is that I've sacrificed so much for it. Yeah. Um, Like, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, which was like, there are these people that do this nine to five and they work really fucking hard and they get yeah. to where they want to be. I'm not that person. Um, And being freelance suits that in some ways and fuels it in another. um, Because... I will start work at midday, mm -hmm. um, do a few hours, and then be like, oh, the words aren't coming to me. <laughs> the creative flow isn't happening. I'm not feeling it. And then at like 11 p.m., be like, bam, okay, cool, I'm, I'm good. And then yeah. I'll go to sleep at 3 a.m. Um, and it allows... I will take... I will take every ounce of what the world gives me in terms of <laughs> if I've got a deadline and I've got four weeks to do it. Oh, I'm taking that four weeks. Yeah. And I'm going to do the deadline six hours before. I'm going to yeah. do the feature six hours before it's due. I have a deadline today. And I literally woke up this morning and was like, I need to do that deadline before I go and meet Chloe at the studio. Did I do it? No. <laughs> because I knew that the editor I was filing the copy to had a Christmas party last night. So I texted her and was like, oh, do you, like... Can this wait till Monday? I've had, I kid you not, I have had, <laughs> I'm going to say five months to write this story. I started it, stopped it, started it, stopped it. If someone's going to give me something, I'm going to take it. And that is such a bad trait. And when you're freelance and you've got 
a shit ton of all of that stuff going on at a time because you need to write a lot to make decent money. Yeah. Uh, you need to write a, a lot. Um, there's no rules. You're the one making the rules and I have learned over the past five years that I'm not in a place to make rules for myself. I need, I need someone saying to me, you need to write. Because if I don't, like, oh my God, literally people that write books deserve medals. Oh, yeah. No, I hear you. If I, oh I my you. God. I'm the kind of person, if I, if say, if anyone ever reached out to me and was like, oh, do you want to write a book? And they'd be like, cool, here's your advance. So you need to take like four months off to write it or whatever. I'd be like, oh my God, sick. Thank you so much. I take the advance and then try and write a whole book the day before. And I've always been like it. I was like it with my GCSEs and my A-levels. When I got to uni, I wrote my dissertation in like the day before it was due. And I stayed up all night and wrote. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That's it. And I'm that person because I'm not very competitive. I'm really not a competitive person at all. Yeah. Like if there's any kind of like sport or race, I'm tapping out. I don't want to be. Yeah, um, I'll like take that. last place. I don't care. Um, because I'm not competitive. <laughs> so I get by. <laughs> and it's really bad. It's so bad. But like, I get by in life to be like, say for instance, when it came to like being at uni or being at school or whatever. Like I will wait and I'll do the deadline. And I'm like, oh, if I get a C, that'd be, um, that's brilliant. Because I literally did it the day before. I'm not that person that's driving for the A. Um, but actually being at work now, like in the career that I'm in, I strive for the best for myself. And that's something that I'm very much at peace with. And I really yeah. like that. Um, I've stopped. It used to be that I'd be like, I need to write the best feature for the publication and make sure that the publication's the best. And then yeah. when I s- stepped away from that, and went freelance. I'm like, no, I'm writing this for myself. Like this is a window of me that I'm putting out to the world. And if I don't like it, that's only going to come back on me. If I'm putting out a shit feature that is portraying a bad message or doesn't align with what I want, that's not helping anyone. Mm -hmm. Like I need to make sure that I'm putting in what I want to put in. So when I started thinking selfishly about my work and started thinking about myself as a brand, that's when things became a lot easier for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, not to get all cynical and spiritual, but I do think like we're all on our own path and like what somebody else is doing is completely irrelevant. I think you can be inspired by people and take Mm. what people are doing. But I think if you start to compare, you end up whacking all this shitty pressure on yourself and you actually hold yourself back because you're like, oh my God, I can't do what they're doing. But why would you want to? Like, why would you want? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And everyone has their own... And it's interesting that we've got onto this, actually, because I think within my space in beauty, this is 
a really prominent theme mm-hmm. because over the past few years, like I said, social media has got big beauty editors have started having big social media followings. Um, some of them have, yeah. and that's an amazing thing because it makes you a multi-hyphenate. You've got, like I just said, you have to write a huge amount of words to make decent money. Mm-hmm. And if you can make money off your social media, then you've hit the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that, we've all become our own brands. And it's like we were saying, because things have to become more expert-led, which also, by the way, I didn't note this earlier, but this whole expert-led angle that has now come with beauty journalism has also been dictated by the powers that be at Google. Uh, because the Google algorithm has decided that in order to rank highly on Google now, so say, for instance, you were to Google best foundations, um, part of a beauty editor's job and part of my job is to make sure that whatever I'm writing is going to be ranking highly on Google so that when you Google best foundations, mine's the first story that you see or hopefully in the top five stories that you see. Yeah. The way that Google has now decided that that is going to be is down to how expert-led your stories are, which never used to be the way. You could write Mm -hmm. something and Google's algorithm would decide on something else, just like how... Instagram and Facebook and all of our social media sites have algorithms. Google's algorithm is the mother algorithm. Mm -hmm. Like everything stems from that. Um, So over the past few years, we've seen the shift. And the reason for that is because Google has told us that that's the shift that it wants to see. Um, And part of that is having your own brand. And these things, I think this is something that's really important when it comes to journalism and actually when it comes to beauty as a whole, because we look at everything I think people that aren't in the industry might not see this and they think that things happen because either times are changing. I think it's a big thing that we like to think in beauty. We like to think, oh, times are changing, so we're moving away from airbrush stuff and we're moving away from this, we're moving away from that. And it's like, I would love to be that optimistic to think that's the reason why things are moving, but it's things are moving because money leads the way yeah always. so when google tells us we need to do something google tells us it wants to see pictures of us in our foundation now if we're trying foundation on and it wants to see our flaws it doesn't want it to be airbrushed it doesn't want us to be using stock imagery anymore it wants it on us which luckily for me aligns with exactly what i want to do and that's exactly the kind of message that i want to put out but fact of the matter is the reason we're seeing more of that and we're seeing more personal branding and we're seeing beauty editors all have their sphere and everyone have their specialty in something is because that's what our magazines are telling us we need to do. Yeah. And for years, our magazines held us back because they didn't want us to do that. Yeah. Um, because. Because it was their label and not It yours. was their label. Yeah. And now the tables have turned. Yeah. Now they need us much more than we need them, which has been proved by the fact that so many freelancers are now, well, so many beauty editors have now gone freelance. Yeah. Um, and every now and again, you hit a sweet spot where you've got a an amazing publication. And I've been so lucky in my career. I really haven't worked for any does. I really, really haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you find the perfect match where the publication aligns with you and you both get the same thing out of it. And that's yeah. the industry that we're in now. Yeah. Um, where the journalist's brand is just as important as the brand of the magazine. Yeah. And I think that the future... journalism will be that and I think Mm -hmm. it will be a way of finding um like a synergy and a collaboration between those two things yeah it's definitely an interesting time for sure isn't it yeah Yeah. oh it's really interesting things are like everyone's all like out of whack yeah it's crazy isn't it 
And we've been talking about this for years. Everyone's yeah. been talking about it for years. Like, oh, magazines are dying. Magazine prints dying. And now we've kind of got here and everyone's like, oh, this isn't what we thought it was going to look like. Everyone yeah. just thought they were going to get made redundant and their jobs were gone and it will yeah. never be seen again. But it's not. Things change. People still want information. They just want it in a different in way. A different way, yeah. However, I did buy a Vogue at the weekend and I don't usually buy magazines. I do. Mm. I like to read stuff online. But it was really nice to just oh, I love sit it. and... I mean... 75% of it is now an advert, but yeah. it's it was really nice I love to just it. sit on a, not a digital screen. and It's yeah, so nice. Through. And I bought a Cosmo the other day as well. I love I love buying monthly magazines. Um, and I bought it and I read it front to back. But there is this element, I think, of there's not a feasible business model anymore in yeah. people like us being like oh i do i i did buy the fact now that we're in 2022 and we're having a conversation like i bought a vogue the other week yeah. and I'm like, <laughs> like an i alien bought thing. an issue of cosmo <laughs> yeah. seven weeks ago yeah like that's a notable thing yeah 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 and it's a shame and i hate it but you can't force no. You can't fall something that's not going to stick around. No. And I love, I hope that these magazines are still here. I genuinely believe they will be. Yeah. Cosmo is a really successful business and they smash it online. Vogue is obviously Vogue. Yeah. It will, I hope that Vogue will be an eternal thing. It's because, got to be, hasn't it? And the journalism at these publications, like it's not there. It's not just like someone like thinking something up. Like these people are geniuses. Yeah, they yeah. are um, and that's something, again, that I learned in my job is that all journalists, whether you're whatever publication you're working at, you can be working at, you know, a gossip tabloid like I did for many years. And a lot of those like middle aged men that I spoke about, I still look at them and I'm like, I don't agree with what you're writing. Of course, yeah. I don't agree with what you're writing. But do I look at you and think you're a genius? Yes, yeah. I do. Because yeah. the way that their mind works with words is like incredible. And yeah. I think the same like all of these lifestyle publications like Vogue, like Cosmo, like Elle, the ones that are still in print, there's a reason that they've survived. Yeah. And it's because the journalism and the brand is so strong. And we've lost some really, really good ones as well. Um, but the fact of the matter is people don't want to consume content like that anymore. Yeah. And we also, we search for what we're looking for. We don't like... Sometimes I actually did used to go on a lot onto Cosmo or Glamour or whatever and just yeah. have a look through. And I, sometimes I do, like, if I'm, like, a bit lost for inspiration or what to talk yeah. about, then I do. But for the most part, you do search Google, don't yeah. you? And you look in, yeah, what is the best foundation? Or and I like... think a big part of it now is actually that people don't want to read features so much anymore. They want to know what to buy. Yeah. And it's sad. Um I think it's because it's, it's also something I love talking about, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, and 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 me too. And I think um, I think that shift has come with everyone online being an expert. Like yes. everyone's amazing at makeup. Everyone knows about skincare, and even I'm more skincare than makeup. I would say, but yeah. I don't know everything. I just know what works for me. Yeah. So i find it a bit overwhelming and i also find it a bit sad like come on it's it should be fun we should be playing around with like what about when you're like 15 putting shit on your face and then you're like ah my, yes. my skin's so dry yes like and i'm so pleased that? you brought this up i'm so pleased you brought this up <laughs> because i think to one point i think that's why my job now is so exciting 
and yeah. we've had years of it not being exciting is because now there's information overload um, of everyone being an expert online. And no one has, hardly any of them have got either journalistic um, credentials. credentials. I'm not an expert in skin. No, I'm no. not a skin expert. I'm not a makeup expert. Yeah. I am a journalist, which means... I am an expert in beauty. I'm an expert in the beauty industry. I'm also a shopping expert. And I can tell you exactly what you need to buy because I have all of this knowledge. And I also have a journalistic integrity, which means everything needs to be balanced. So there's that. But like, I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not an esthetician. I'm not a makeup artist, but I have a black book of people that I can reach out to for that. Yeah. And a lot of people online, like TikTok especially, I think has really, really um, spurred this on. It's been brewing on Instagram for years, but TikTok's really like thrown it into the limelight. Is that actually no one knows what the fuck <laughs> is right or wrong anymore. No. Not at all. And it's like, oh, it's quite <laughs> nice because now there're a little space for us to step in and be like, "Hi, yeah. oh, us, we're here to tell yeah. you what is right and wrong." And actually most of the time in beauty there isn't a right or wrong answer. Yeah. Most of it's like kind of like, "Oh, sorry." And that's why people strive for this content. That's why people are always saying like well, do I need a retinol? People what are age shall I use retinol? Yeah. And it's like, there isn't one. No. And people don't want to hear that answer. So that's why they go on TikTok because they've got someone that will lie to them and say, you yeah. must start using retinol in your 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also yeah. it's taken the fun out of it. Yeah. It's taken the fun yeah. out of everything. Like it has. No skincare product is going to like, bur- that you can buy off the shelf is going to start bubbling your skin. It's like, there's so much shame around beauty and I can't stand it. It's what happened to the fun of being like, when I see people, I saw this TikTok the other day of someone being like, talking about St. Ives face scrub and the fact that Gigi Hadid said she liked it. And I was like, I used St. Ives face scrub when I was a teenager and I absolutely fucking loved it. Yeah. I loved the fact that it was like my intro into skincare and I used to love my my skincare routine and it was so joyful and I used to love it. My skin wasn't peeling off my face for it. Yeah. Do I probably have to spend a little bit more money on Botox now because I used it? Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe I do. But, like, even if I wasn't getting Botox, I I only get Botox on one part of my face. But, like, <laughs> and the rest of my face is still okay and I use it all over for Botox. Oh. Do not. You don't have to but give I yourself I mean, like, makeup. what happened to the joy of this and people being like, you don't wear SPF every day? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's bad. Not wearing SPF every day probably isn't ideal. We also don't live in a Florida. really hot country with really high UV index. Yeah. So if you're not wearing SPF on a really cloudy day in the UK, you're just harming yourself in terms of accelerated aging, skin aging. But you're not like, yeah, and maybe your chances of skin cancer are going to be a little bit higher. Every dermatologist I speak to is like burning. <laughs> burning is the issue. So if if you're not, like, the fact that we've got people on Instagram that aren't dermatologists being yeah. like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you don't wear SPF every day. Like, so what? I will always tell people, please wear SPF every day. Please do it. They're not going to. Yeah, They're not yeah. going to put it on. They're not going to listen to me. Yeah. People don't like wearing it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we'll do what we can. But to shame people for it and to put them off an industry yeah. which is supposed to be joyful is so counterintuitive. I think, I think we've, I'm just thinking because I've, moved industries which i've talked a bit mm. about on here but um and honestly the first thing people were like oh my god your skin your skin like because yeah. i worked at a skincare brand my skin's automatically yeah. just gorgeous i mean yeah. i've got quite healthy skin anyway i yeah. look after it but i keep it i use five products never change yeah. like that's me and everyone's like oh my god what do i need to use and it's almost like we've created this fear 
of like people not using the latest thing, the right thing, this 12 step routine that costs a thousand pounds. Like it's mad. Yeah. And so I literally wrote an email to like everyone in my like peripheral and I was like, this is what you do. And it was like, drink water, put moisturizing cream yeah. on, like wash your face. Yeah. And wash your face. Yeah. Damn, please people Eat, wash your face. Yeah. Eat vegetables. Like, and I was like, and they were like, huh, I'm really underwhelmed by your email. And I was like, well, there's not really much more to yeah. it, guys. Like, I wrote a feature on this last year. Actually, this year, earlier this year. People want the elixir of youth. That's yeah. all they want. And that's why magazines have done so well for so long on the business model that they're running on. And, and this is why TikTok has now taken place of that. Is because TikTok is full of people being like, you need this product yes. if you want to have clear skin. Because it cleared my already clear skin up and I have great jeans and everything yeah. else. It's like... I used to have acne and now my face is totally clear. No, no. Yeah. That's not down to one product. And TikTok shop is now like bloody QVC. Oh my God. I'm not here for it. I don't know. It's changed. like, whatever. If you want to go for it, go for it. But I'm like, I love the concept of live shopping. I think it's absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, But I believe that the reason I like the concept of live shopping is because it means that people can make informed decisions when they're buying something before just literally snapping on online and yeah. getting people to buy beauty online is incredibly difficult. I always say that you need to to be recommended a product a minimum of three times before you buy it. Yeah. Um, and also that's from three different sources, whether that be a friend, a beauty editor, an influencer. No one is going to buy something that an influencer has told them to buy. If that's the first time they've ever heard of it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless maybe you're Caroline Hirons. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I'm all for. Like, yeah, like, no, that I am. brilliant. I'm a fan. Um, I think that my thing with live shopping is that the people that are presenting the live shopping should be able to give a balanced review of that product. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't always the case. So that's kind of where my issues with TikTok shopping is a bit skew if because I'm like, well... TikTok is make, now making money off the fact that some of its creators are flogging product on false information, mm. which is a bit skewish for me. Like the amount of friends I had years ago when TikTok first like really came on the scene. Do you remember that um, green stick, the green face stick? And it said, oh, it brought all your blackheads out. Yeah. Okay, it was this green stick like a stick face mask <laughs> and you rubbed it on and there were videos of this working. You rubbed it on and it drew out all of your blackheads and then you wiped it away and all of all of your blackheads. Shut were... up. No, it was all photoshopped. The whole thing was fake. That's so bad. And like the amount of well-educated, smart, intelligent people I know that messaged me like, do I need this? And I'm like, you think <laughs> that there's a six pound, you think that there's a six pound Face mask and a stick that literally draws acne out from a, a living organ at such a deep <laughs> rate, which would be totally illegal for any skincare pe- product to penetrate that far. Again, skin is a living organ. Can I just really, yeah. really, really put that down there? You think that you could just rub off your acne? You think that a pharmaceutical company literally <laughs> that whose sole goal it is to make millions of pounds off this acne medication, of all various forms of acne medication, because it is a very serious skin issue. You think that a six pound product on TikTok is going to sell that for you. Like you are a (laughs) well-educated person and you genuinely think that this product's going to rub your acne off your face. 
<laughs> that's that sums tiktok up to me yeah yeah it does we can be sold I, anything on tiktok we can't but i do love it for its entertainment factor I it knows me it so well says. doesn't it know you so well oh i'm God. like keep it keep it coming i was five minutes late leaving today than i wanted to be because i was literally found a page of baby goats <laughs> i love it i love tiktok tiktok is life it is life i absolutely love it it's so detrimental to me and my life because i get an, i do nothing i yeah. can sit on tiktok for hours it's genius they know exactly what we want yep they do um for the beauty industry i'm it i'm not sure if it's a good thing but there's been bad things for the beauty industry for years. I, I don't think that Instagram was particularly great for the beauty industry. But actually, in the long run, what it does is build it and make everything better. And we learn from things. And I think we will do that from TikTok. When yeah. Instagram first started, um, and all of everything was airbrushed and everything was filtered and everything was perfect. We now look back on that from years ago and think, yeah. God, remember when people used to put filters on their faces on Instagram and sell yeah. product off it? Yeah. People, that's now a laughable thing. If we see people do that on Instagram, we laugh at it. And we will do that with TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. We will get there with it. Yeah. It's in like its it infancy, then. isn't it? It is. I do like it. I don't think we answered the why beauty question. Oh, I think we talked about fashion. My question for why beauty was because I didn't like fashion. And okay. I saw beauty. I didn't know that it was a job. And I was like, that looks really cool. And I wish I had a more glamorous answer for you, but I don't. I fell into it. I've always loved beauty. Um, I've always loved it. For what reason? Because to me, beauty is kind of what we were just talking about in a way. It's not serious. Yeah. But it it is in so many ways. It's it's founded in science, which I like. I'm a bit of a geek. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to skincare, I like that. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something of note. In fashion, but, I don't feel like I was doing anything of note. No, but is it serious or is it important? Both. Yeah. It's important, it's serious, it's fun. It's so much to so many people and most of all, it's emotional. And yeah. I think that's really important when it comes to beauty and that's something that we really... Um, a lot of people don't talk about, but we all know it within us, is that everything to do with beauty is emotional for people. And that's why people get so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why people get angry about stuff. And that's why people get angry at one another um, is because it's such an emotional thing, whether it be our skin, whether it be our makeup, whether it be our fragrance or, you know, a moment of self-care. Beauty is the way that we present ourselves and it's what we do to make ourselves feel good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes it's not, but it's it's what we do to make ourselves feel us. Yeah. So I know people that don't wear any makeup and they're fervently against what I do and they don't believe in it at all. But that's beauty to them. Yeah. Because yeah. they they get something out of it. They might not have to buy any beauty products for it, but that is beauty to them because the way that they present themselves is what makes them feel most comfortable. Yeah. It might be that they blow dry their hair or they air dry their hair. That's a beauty choice. Mm-hmm. It might be that they wash their face just with water or that they use a bar of soap on it. Yeah, that's a beauty choice. And it's just the way it's what makes you feel comfortable. And that's why people feel so passionately about it. I don't think there's many industries like that. Um, And getting to be a part of that industry and me seeing most of all, the thing that appealed to me was that it was fun. Yeah. People say to me all the time, like it's a massive beauty editor line. No one gets into this job for the freebies. That's so bad. Like no one's in this job for the freebies. 
they're not, but also to say that when you were an intern and you didn't see those this amazing glamorous job because it is the magazines are glamorous, right? But the beauty desk is the most glamorous desk on the magazine, and everyone yeah. knows it. Yeah. And I have editor in chiefs come up to me and say, "Fuck, got in the wrong career. You guys have the best time." Yeah. yeah. I wish I did beauty instead of features or fashion or whatever it's they do. They're like, "You yeah. guys have the best time," and it's like we do. It is the most glamorous and most fun job on the magazine. And to say that that doesn't have a huge draw and appeal is just a lie. It does. Yeah. There's a, there's like a sparkle in, I don't know how to explain it, but like when you, I just remember the, like the first time I went into L'Oreal or the Estee Lauder and I was like, oh my God, this is the, the, the way this makes me feel to be a part of this yeah. is like, even now, like it makes my eyes water a bit because I'm like, it's just, it may, I think if you're into it and you're passionate about it, it's where you feel at home. Does yeah. that make any sense? For sure. It's really cool. It's, that's, and I, this is the thing about it being a part of us. If you work in beauty, it's a part of you. Is because it is, I think you either have that curiosity for beauty, and I think that's really what stems most people's interest in beauty, is that you have a curiosity for it. And you have a curiosity to want to know why yeah. for things. Yeah. Makeup artists don't put makeup on their face and paint faces all day because they think it's, like, fun. Yeah. Well, it is fun, but they do it because they've asked why. Like, why have I made that artistic decision? Yeah. Everyone's slightly creative, and the whole beauty industry is based on that. Why is... Why do you feel at home at Estee Lauder? And what yeah. is it about L'Oreal? And people are interested by those why questions. Yeah. And that's kind of how the beauty industry is formed because we're, we're selling and we're in like providing information on such emotional products it's a yeah. product-based industry yeah, sure. that's actually linked to so many emotions and you can't be a shallow person and work in that industry you just can't yeah you have to have a, a mind to want to know more for stuff and to care for for humans and have human reaction to stuff because if you don't you don't understand your industry and you yeah. don't understand what you're selling to people. Someone is parting with their hard-earned money to buy a product that, as a beauty editor, I am recommending to them. I have to have a human element to that and I have to have this journalistic question, which I think everyone in beauty has. Like You're saying it as well. You have to want to know about people. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't want to know about people, you can't sell them stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not and not that's not in a shallow way. I'm just saying, like, you, then that's your job done yeah. because you shouldn't be able to sell them anything or recommend them anything because you don't have any concern for what that product means to them yeah. or what the problem that they're trying to tackle with that product means to them. Yeah, like when I speak to estheticians who and dermatologists even who have people come into their office on a daily basis because they're suicidal because they can't because of the state of their skin yeah and for for people and when i say people i mean brands to sell products to these people promising that they're going to sort that they're going to eradicate their acne yeah. i think is absolutely foul yeah i think that's a really really gross thing to do yeah and i think that that lacks a human element yeah. and i think in order to be able to work in this industry and to have the, an amazing honor of educating people on things like that then we all need to do better at understanding where what the core of the beauty industry is which is 
really to aid an emotional connection with whatever beauty product it is that someone's facing because if people understood the struggles that people go through with their skin they wouldn't go on tiktok and tell people that this six pound face mask can get rid of your acne it's not it's not a jokey business it's serious yeah Yeah. but it's also fun and it has all of these elements to it that makes it human and there aren't many industries that have that i don't think no i agree and i think on that i think there's a point where you stop being the expert and you bring in an expert or you yes. recommend an expert. Like even Inky, you know, like we would always, this is what I loved about Inky. It was so raw and stripped back mm-hmm. and it was so honest with its mm-hmm. consumer. Um, and it had a it had a team of experts, but equally it was, if it didn't know how to recommend product or how to advise someone, yeah. it would pass them on. Yeah. Like, you know, it would, it would recommend a dermatologist or an esthetician or whatever. Mm. Um, and I think there needs to be more of that because I think there's still a lot of people who are acting experts and yeah. they don't actually know what they're talking about. And I think that's what's so interesting. Sounds like I'm farting. <laughs> it's just a sofa, I promise. Um, I think that's what's so interesting is that when I say like people are taking everything too seriously, like skin is like skincare isn't that serious. What I'm actually trying to say is that, like, people are misplacing the importance of things. Actually, skincare, when it comes to skin conditions, should be taken far more seriously than it is being taken, but but not in the way that they're taking it. People are, like, shaming people and blaming people. You have acne because you're eating too much sugar. That's false. Mm -hmm. It's false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dermatologists that I see, who I put my trust in, for my skin, because I also have acne, specializes. She's one of the top nutritional acne experts in the country. Like, yeah. she leads some, like, really revolutionary studies in this, you know, done at universities with that are funded extremely well. And if I speak to her about it, she's like, no one knows. You can't tell someone to stop eating cake because yeah. they, because it's going to clear their skin up because it's, not going to and you have to think about the cause and effect of things like we have every because of tiktok and because of instagram we're told that like that the the way the algorithm works is that you tell someone like this is your five steps to clear skin and they're like stop eating you know drink two liters of water a day and they like ping it and they're like i'm pointing (laughs) they they like ping it around it's like ding fact one ding fact two that's just Making content for content's sake, because that's not the way it works. If that was the way it worked, there wouldn't be a multi-billion pound industry built on trying to stop people getting breakouts. So like, if I can say anything to anyone, it's like, if you ever get promised that one product is going to clear up your acne, just know it's not. Because if it did, there wouldn't be an industry for it. Nothing's going to clear up your acne that is simple enough to learn about it on one TikTok. So it's like all of this seriousness is totally misplaced. The seriousness should be put in people's emotions and the way that people feel about the way that the way that people feel about their relationship with beauty rather than shaming people for stuff, because yeah. that's perpetuating this issue that we have. Like we talk about beauty standards and beauty standards have come on so far, you know, like we don't have airbrushing so much anymore. I mean, magazines that do airbrush to the extent that they used to are 
known for it in a bad way. It's kind of like, can yeah. you believe that they saw airbrush people like that? And I think where we're in a space of being so raw and unfiltered, mm. it's quite obvious when you do filter now. Yes, it's so obvious. But it's like, yes, we've moved away from beauty standards in that sense and they've come on so far and that's an amazing thing. But with that has come a new beauty standard, which I think is shrouded in shame mm-hmm. which, and blame, which is that your skin and your makeup choices and your self-care choices like that it got to a state as someone that like for me self-care is I say self-care self-care is a really 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 important element of beauty to me it's like what I love so much about it I have huge it helps my mental health in so many ways and that's what I love and that's my specialty in beauty and there was a moment last year where there was so much shame around that you weren't allowed to say on Instagram that um a bath was self self-care or that putting a face mask on was self-care because there was so much hatred around it and shame and blame because people were like self-care can't it can't just be put down to that mental health problems can't just be um you know fixed by self-care by putting on a face mask which of course they can't like of course they can't it's such a deep everything has such a deep emotional connection to it but for me it's a huge part of my mental health yeah routine that yeah. I have to keep my mental health balanced and for some people it works and some people it doesn't so beauty standards have come on far from you know the like early 90s standards that we always talk about when people when you think of beauty standards that's what you yeah. think about yeah. I think of like super airbrushed models in bikinis on covers with their yeah. hair looking glowing and their skins all bronzed and sun-kissed um but I think that beauty standards have changed now and beauty standards now are actually much more um geared towards individuals and the the beauty industry is still tapping into our insecurities it might not be coming from brands and it might not be coming from magazines anymore and it might not be intentional i don't think that they were ever intentional but i think they're not intentional but sharing so much opinion online yeah is creating beauty standards like i have friends that think that they have acne because they've eaten too much sugar. Yeah. And I have friends that think that their hair is falling out or thinning because they use sulfate, shampoo with sulfate in it. Yeah. I do think there's a there's a point online where, you know, there's so much chat about curating your feed and and I know TikTok's harder a harder place to do that than Instagram, but it is about just being a bit smart to what's real and what's not and who to trust yeah. and who to not. Yeah. And it's sure. more it's more the people that are telling you to do things or telling you you need this or telling you to do that. They're the ones I call BS on because I'm yeah. like, why why do they have such a need to tell you what to do? Yes. And there is no right answer. No. Because if there was a right answer, we wouldn't have this constant need and desire inside of us to keep trying new products and seeing what works better and i wouldn't have a job yeah if there was a right answer dermatologists Mm. wouldn't have a job if there was a right answer because the whole point of this industry which is founded in science and formulations and everything else is that in any other branch of science everyone knows there's no answer Mm mm-hmm Everyone, that's the whole point of science is that you keep asking questions and you keep looking at things. When it comes to biology, doctors, health, everything, everyone's like, there is no answer. We just know what we know at the moment and we work towards that. It's the same for beauty. And it's like when people say, well, everyone told us that we needed retinol. 
10 years ago and now they're telling us we don't need it yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, because it's an, it's an ongoing thing and you yeah. learn stuff well it's experiential isn't it it's exactly that and that's what science is we're trying to find that elixir of youth we're yeah. trying to find that magic serum that clears up acne mm-hmm. or that magic medication that clears up acne yeah like there are so many acne medications and skin medications out there and people still have acne so yeah. it's like it's it's an ongoing thing and it's something that we might not ever get the answer to. Yeah. But in the meantime, we know certain things that can help and certain things that can make people feel better about themselves. Yeah. Whether that be makeup, whether that be skincare, whether it be having a nice hour-long bath. Beauty is about feeling better about yourself. Yeah. And if it's not making you feel better about yourself, and sometimes it's really hard to know when it's not making you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you have to like take a step back and be like, okay, reality check. I'm feeling shit because I'm consuming too much beauty content. Yeah, if it's not making you feel better about yourself, step away from it. Yeah, use a the Roche Posay face wash and just make sure you're putting on your SPF. But like, go for those basic things that keep things ticking over, and take a step back from it all because we don't need it. Yeah, you don't need any of these things that. You read online, like you don't need any of the things that I'm writing about. But if you want it, yeah, it's it's there there for you. And it's fun, yeah. No, I completely agree. Bit of a change of topic, Mm. but you spoke about self esteem earlier. What were you like when you were younger? How were you at school? I have always been. I did an Instagram story on this a year or two ago, I think. I've always been loud. I've always been very opinionated. And I've always wanted to be quietly brilliant. But I'm not. Yeah, I think I wanted... I've always wanted to be quietly brilliant. Um, Because those are the people that I really respect. People that are really quietly brilliant and just go about their lives and like... Just like smashing out of the park. Yeah. I'm not that person. (laughs) And I never, ever was. No? No. And I think I make up for my insecurities by being like this loud, flamboyant person. And everyone's like, Shannon's here. <laughs> <coughs> what, um, what are you? What are my insecurities? Yeah. My insecurities are based around that, about being too loud and abrasive. Because I hate loud and abrasive people. I absolutely despise them. No one, <laughs> no one likes that person that walks in the room. It's like, hi, I'm here. Well, yeah. I am that person. So it's kind yeah. of like... Those are. Oh I feel God. like this Those is where you're. This is where you said you're too hard on yourself because I'm so hard I on feel myself. like abrasive is, um, <clears throat> backed by arrogance. Sometimes when when those people that walk in the room yeah. and they're like, "Hi, I'm here," but yeah. they're like, mm, the people that maybe not the most liked. Whereas I feel like you've got a really good positive vibe energy. And so, so, but you're you're not <laughs> arrogant in any way, and so I feel like that yeah. was a harsh statement to yourself. Maybe I also think that I, um, because I'm quite unfiltered, I have this thing where people I get scared that people think I just really like the sound of my own voice, which I don't. But my thing is, and someone told me this the other day. My friend said to me, there's two people in the world. One of them, (laughs) one set of people are ones that talk to listen. 
So they'll say something. And then the only reason they're saying something is because they want to they wanna hear what the other person's saying. And then there's other people that listen to people talk, but are actually just waiting to say what they want to say. And it's not going in. And I'm like, I'm that person. <laughs> Which is really bad as a journalist, because I interview a lot of people all the time for my job. Yeah. I do listen to people, but I'm constantly thinking like, what can I say next? Like, what yeah. can I say? And it's like a narcissistic trait in a way, but it's also true. That's the way that conversation works. Yeah. Um. So I think because of that, I'm always nervous that I've said something um, that, again, is abrasive, or I've said something that someone disagreed with and then felt like I'm not even worth arguing with. Like, I, like they're, they're just like, you know, sometimes, and I say it because it happens to everyone. Like, it happens to me all the time. Like, I'm talking with someone and I'm like, you're so passionate about this and I actually just don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm not gonna bother and it's like yeah like you, you start the conversation thinking this person is like probably thinks about this thing probably the same amount that I do mm-hmm. and then like five minutes into the conversation you're like oh shit like you wait know so much more about this than I do <laughs> yeah. and I thought we were just having a light-hearted conversation yeah and I'm a very passionate person so I think I come across this thing like I think I give that off a lot mm-hmm. people are like oh you really fucking care about this and I'm like I actually don't <laughs> But I'm just really, I just talk really passionately about stuff and I read a lot about stuff. Like people always say to me that like I have like a lot of general knowledge and it's because I'm fascinated by weird facts, like absolutely fascinated by them. So I read so much about so much stuff. Um, So when something comes up in conversation, chances are I'm going to know a little bit about (laughs) it and I'm going to talk, but I'm going to talk about it like I know loads about it. And then every now and again, you meet someone who like just knows a huge amount about a handful of things. And you, I start a conversation with someone about one of those things and I have to sit there and I'm like coy and I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> so <laughs> my insecurities are very much around like knowledge, but the way that that knowledge is portrayed, mm-hmm. because I think that's why people think that I'm a bit like weird and a bit abrasive because like every single time there's a conversation about something, I have to say something about it because I'm like, <laughs> I know a tiny bit about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then as soon as that conversation goes any deeper, I'm just like, yeah, tap out. I'm done. <laughs> um, so I think people think that that's like a bit rude and abrasive, but it's just the way that I am. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of way that a lot of journalists are because we have that like natural curiosity and we're inquisitive about stuff. Yeah. Um, Where does the self low self-esteem come into play? Because you don't strike me as someone with low self-esteem, but I guess we are talking about beauty and it's your, yes. it's who you are. Yes. And I think the low self-esteem thing comes from being that loud kid. Um, And there's a lot, there's a lot of time to talk about like the way that when there's a loud kid, and this might not be the case anymore. I don't actually really know any children. But um, like I don't have any kids in my family. I'm not friends with any kids. Um, but, but I don't know. I don't know. It might times might have changed. But when I was growing up, it was very much like you have loud kids. That I, I wasn't naughty at all. I was like very good. Like played by the rules, but I was loud. And when you have those kids, people are like, are kind of, oh, Shannon's here again, being mm-hmm. loud. Like, and excuses are kind of made, and it's like that's that's something that I clung on to in my identity so much throughout yeah. my life and even into my career. So 
my my low self esteem comes from the fact that my whole my whole vision of myself is shrouded in this fact that I think that I should be quieter because yeah. I know that I can be brilliant. That's not I don't have low self esteem in the fact that I can be brilliant. I'm very I've got very high esteem when it comes to what I know that I'm capable of doing. Yeah. My low self esteem comes on the way that I portray myself yeah. because I beat myself up like I will I guarantee you after I film this I will go home tonight and be like fuck what did I say and I'll be like thinking about it like oh I shouldn't have said that or like I, that came across wrong or I came across too loud I came across too abrasive or like whatever it is and the reason being because I think I'm already going into everything especially in my job when I'm doing stuff like this and I'm on social media all the time and I look back at something and I'm like uh and the reason is because the way that I, I'm already going into that before I even watch myself back on anything. I'm already going into it thinking you're a loud, obnoxious arsehole. So when I watch <laughs> it, I'm like looking for things yeah, to be, to confirm what I think. Cause I also mm. don't like being wrong. No one does. <laughs> I don't like being wrong, let alone about myself. And that's where that's the whole different it, thing. Yeah. But it's like, no one likes being wrong. No. And that's why. No one likes being wrong about themselves because you're like, well, I'm I'm the person that knows me best. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when I I have this whole thing, I'm like, well, my whole life has been me thinking <laughs> that I'm this loud, obnoxious arsehole, and if I'm not, then I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it's weird, but it's not. It doesn't affect. I know that I have low self esteem. I very much do. But it doesn't affect my life enough. Yeah. For me. To be stressed about it. Yeah. Sometimes it does and I have moments and I'll speak to a therapist for a bit and I'm kind of like, okay, I just go through peaks and troughs and stuff and I'm like, yeah, I've got low self-esteem at the moment and then it kind of goes because I have what I don't, because I have low self-esteem about certain things, I know that I don't have it about my abilities and what I can achieve so I don't get stressed about that Mm -hmm. and I think when you have low self-esteem and about when it comes to what you can achieve and your own abilities that's an issue yeah that's when you start feeling really low about yourself because you think like well i'm never gonna live up to my own expectations of myself yeah whereas i'm the opposite i probably think that i'm going to be a lot more successful than i ever will be (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm also one of those people like (laughs) i was speaking to one of my friends keeks who's another beauty editor who if you're listening to this, you probably already know. And I was speaking to her the other day and I was like, the really wild thing about me is that like, I'll watch something on the TV and she's the same as while we were talking about it. I'll watch J-Lo perform the Super Bowl and be like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> I've never danced. Well, I've done a bit of dancing, but I've literally like done it like mediocre and I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I literally am tone deaf. <laughs> I still say to my fiance now, like we got into bed the other night and I was like, I actually think I could be an A-list movie star. And he's like, you couldn't. I'm like, you've never seen me act. Like, I genuinely think, if I've never tried it, I think, ah, I can do that. Like, there are some things in life, I watch people ice skate, and I'm like, yeah, so easy. Then as soon as I try it and I can't do it, I'm like, oh, like, really quickly yeah. grounded. I'm like, yeah. oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I go into everything, assuming that I'm going to be the absolute best at it. And there are very few things in life that I actually am really good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is, so, I'm. I find myself grounded in like, so, like, very abruptly grounded in so many aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's probably where my um, low self-esteem comes from because I think so highly of myself and also so lowly of myself at the same time. No, and I think that's why I asked. <laughs> like, I think that's why I asked because it's interesting because I think a lot of people listening to this would be like, you've got this really cool job and you are very aware of uh, and confident in your abilities in mm. the beauty industry so that to then say that you have self-esteem so I was just interested to unpack yeah but yeah oh for sure. yeah uh, there's probably a lot to unpack there <laughs> <laughs> I've got the money to find out what it is <laughs> <laughs> I need to speak to a shrink <laughs> maybe we should do that live that would be um okay so the final question yeah. I ask everyone on the show is what is your version of beauty my version of beauty is what is my I thought about this on the way and I was like got the perfect line I get here and I feel like I have no idea what it was and I can't remember but my version of beauty is anything that makes your day better Mm -hmm. I don't you know like I said I'm not that beauty editor that where's loads of I'm not a makeup person I love makeup and I think it's absolutely amazing but I'm not that person yeah I use beauty to um connect with myself more um I had a situation a few years I have extreme hypochondria by the way should have mentioned that I was talking about low Mm self-esteem issues I have really really extreme hypochondria and I had a period a few years ago where I went through something and I suffered with really extreme body dissociation, uh, which as a beauty editor isn't great. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, I wasn't connected to my, as far as I was concerned, my body wasn't mine. So I was kind of like, how do I do my job when I don't even feel like I'm in my own body? Yeah. Um, And I really found a new place within beauty for me in my recovery throughout that because I started being like okay I have to force myself to spend some time with my body and have a bath every night I hadn't had a bath in like I'd have a shower and like not look down because my body wasn't mine I hadn't had a bath in like over a year Mm. and then one day I was like got home and I was like I need to have a bath today and it was really tough and I was like right I need to have a bath I need to shave my legs and I need to scrub my body and I need to put cream on my skin and remember that this body is mine and that it's something that needs looking after yeah and it's not something that is just come that comes along for a ride with me Mm. I still live very much in my head but I think it's so important to remember that our bodies aren't something that we drag through life our body is us and I think beauty gives us a moment to remember that whether that be doing a skincare routine and looking after what is an essential organ Mm -hmm. we don't do that in any other aspect of our lives we don't we don't we can't see any of our other organs Mm -hmm. it's the only organ that we can see and it does so much for us and doing that reminds us i mean if i saw a picture of my liver i would probably be really fucking freaked out by it and be like wow i need to make some changes but our skin is and also our hair, I suppose, which obviously isn't an organ, but it is something to discuss, is like doing these things to treat our bodies in a way that we don't do in any other real way and we can't see the, the actual result of it, yeah. to me, is what beauty is. Mm-hmm. Beauty is like connecting with yourself mentally, physically, and finding joy 
in something without yeah. it becoming stressful. And the moment that beauty becomes rushed and it becomes stressful, that's not beauty. That's just a bit of self-care. Yeah. Because... I don't like putting my makeup on in the morning if I've only got 10 minutes to put my makeup on. Yeah. I don't like having a shower if I only have two minutes to have a shower. Yeah. And I certainly don't like having to style my hair if I have to be out of the house in 15 minutes. Yeah. Anything that makes you feel rushed and doesn't let you lead your life with peace, let's say, <laughs> as the meme says, <laughs> um, that's not beauty. No. That's just every, that's a part of your everyday routine. That's yeah. just part of like a little bit of self-care. Thanks. I loved it. Thank you for coming on. Thank this you for has been so Thank good. So we could have gone on for bloody Literally hours. could have done. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. No, thank, thank you. you. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and leave us a review. 